the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond, but at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Hope you're not afraid of snakes, folks, uh, though it is an understandable, almost primal uh, fear common to so many people today and throughout the past. That's our one and only snake tamer slash super producer, Mr. Max Williams. They call me uh, Ben Snakebite Bolin. No, what? what, do, Do you have a... A snake nickname? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to keep that one in my back pocket, though, for a a future time in case I need to go on the lamb and I need like a, you know, a really cool, badass nickname for my new criminal uh, life. So Uh I'm going to sit on this one. Hopefully (laughs) not get bitten. There we (laughs) go. Yeah. Yeah. Watch out for that part. Yeah. My mom is terrified of snakes, like even like images of snakes. And I think I've made no secret about my phobia as bird related. But like I can watch people always like, oh, God, have you seen the movie The Birds? I'm like, I can watch a movie about birds. It's fine. Right. Uh, I just don't want actual physical birds coming at me, which they will do because they are untrustworthy. And they're basically little winged dinosaurs with no, you know, uh, emotion. They, they look at them. There's nothing there. But my mom can't even look at a picture of a snake or see a, a nature documentary about a snake or even have like a rubber snake in her presence. She will lose her mind. So the the, uh, the primal urge you speak of, Ben, is strong with her. Mm. What about you, Max? Where are you at, re-snakes? Yeah. The, yeah. I don't know. I don't really have much opinion about them. Like, I don't love them too much. Don't really hate them too much. What, just- if, what if someone were to uh, ask you to place a, you know, a venomless, uh, harmless, quote-unquote, boa constrictor around your neck for a cute photo op? Would you do it? Would you I do mean, it? I mean, they're literally constrictors i i I don't know that's what what if it was like what if it was like a real 
sexy Siegfried and Roy slash stage magician in Vegas thing. You know what I mean? And you were like a, a you were like <laughs> the the magical Max or something like that. And you, you had you know a boa constrictor. Uh, yeah, I mean, fine. I'd probably do it. I mean, I'm down to like, yes, and at shows and stuff. I'm, so I'll go along with it all. Like, you know, if it's, if, yeah. you I'm, do an improv with a snake. That'd be tight. Yeah, I mean, like if it was like Fred that. behind an alley, he's like, hey, hold my magical snake. I'm like, absolutely not. But if it's like a professional production, uh, I'm like, well, uh, if, if, if a random dude in an alley asks you to hold his magical snake, yeah, I think he'd probably be talking about something. Little might be a there. language barrier thing, might be a euphemism. I like snakes. You know, I, I'm a huge fan of the natural world in general. Um, but there is this there is this innate ability that people appear to have that allows them to detect snakes and spiders and an aptitude for learning to fear them very quickly. Uh, there was some research from the University of Virginia that found this. But People have lived with snakes for a long, long time. A good friend of the show, actually several several of our colleagues, several of my friends are longtime snake owners, armchair herpetologists, I guess you could call them. Uh, as an etymology nerd, as someone obsessed with it, I do need to check out to see, I do need to figure out why herpes and herpetology sound so similar. One is an STD, one is the study of like snakes and reptiles. Anyhow, what we're saying is people have lived with snakes for such a long time. And, and today's episode takes and us with herpes. To, you can actually lead a very normal yeah. life with herpes, it turns well, out. Well, actually, depending on which simplex you're talking about, uh, I, I think by a certain age, the vast majority of human beings actually have that. Uh, so we're not here to vilify people or snakes, but we are here to talk about something that happened in India back in the day something that now is called the Cobra Effect. So, yeah. So India, especially Delhi, had an abundance of cobras. And cobras are dangerous. You know what yeah. I mean? They're, they're not like a garden snake. They can kill you. So the British governor, this is under colonial India, by the way. The British governor of Delhi said, you know, like, harumph, 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 something must be done. And uh, he put out a bounty on cobras. Seems normal. Yeah. You may, you know, this may conjure images of like cross-legged dudes in open air marketplaces coaxing cobras out of uh, elaborately woven baskets um, with a flute or something. Well, that may be a very stereotypical image. It exists for a reason because these things were literally just coming out of baskets. They were, they were just plop, falling out of the ceiling. They were just everywhere. The place was lousy with them. And the bounty was pretty generous um, to the point where it kind of had people making this like a secondary revenue stream and going cobra hunting, which at first worked, right? Because the cobra population dropped. But that's when the whole idea of the cobra effect comes into play. And what this episode is about truly is unintended consequences. When, yeah. when, when good intentions go awry because of people's, like, bad intentions and just, you know, general greediness and the fact that, you know, when there's money to be had, people will usually go to whatever means necessary to acquire said money. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> classic, classic example of the old monkey's paw conundrum. I wish there were fewer cobras. 
monkey's first finger curls. Can we get a creak on that? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? The short oh, story, yeah. the monkey's paw. There's a great Reddit for this too called, or a great subreddit called the monkey's paw. Check it out. Uh, it's It's a fun thought experiment. You're absolutely right. This is about unintended consequences. People started trying to rig the game. In the days of what was called the British Raj, the colonial powers that be in India were increasingly miffed, let's say, about uh, the number of venomous cobras infesting Delhi in particular. So they said, here's how we'll tackle the problem. We'll put out, offer this bounty, and then to verify that someone's killed the cobra, they're going to bring us the skin of the snake. And they realized all of a sudden their storage rooms were full of cobra skins. And at first, it didn't seem to have a noticeable effect on the population in Cobra and Delhi. And that's where city officials figured out local farmers, being incredibly intelligent people, said, why do I need to go out in the streets hunting for snakes when I can just catch a couple and then keep them and basically farm them, raise them? I can grow Cobras at home kill them, and then get some cash. Yeah, and the cost-benefit analysis was in their favor because they would make enough profit by, you know, investing in raising the snake. Let's do it just on a one-snake basis. And then they'd get that bounty, and they would have, you know, turned a profit per snake. And they could do this however many times because there probably wasn't really a cap on it. I mean, we don't know the exact specifics of the deal, but it sounds to me like it was pretty loosey-goosey, you know, uh, yeah. or snaky. Um and the thing that's so interesting is like this is a uh, this seems in general like a pretty good idea, you know? I mean, nobody wants the streets just teeming with venomous snakes that will, you know, from one bite from which could could put you down, literally. This seems like humans working against their own self-interest in the name of of the almighty dollar. But I guess maybe these farmers lived more like out in the sticks or something like that, and they weren't as concerned about city life. I'm I'm not sure. It's a little unclear. But this is not a problem that just existed in Delhi. This is in India. This is like they call it the Cobra Effect because it's named after the situation, but it was something that extended, you know, all across the world. Yes. Yeah. And let's walk through the next step of the Cobra effect before we go global. This is where things get even worse. So the people in power, the British colonial forces realize what's going on. They say, okay, these guys are gaming the system and we're not going to permit that because the colonial British authorities in general hated whenever anything good happened to the actual population of India. Uh, They were not particularly good rulers. So they canceled this cobra hunting plan. They stopped paying out bounties for cobra skins. And without the bounties, these cobra farmers said, oh, these skins are worthless. All these captive cobras we have, they're now pointless. So, uh, you know, we're Snake meat, I don't know if you guys know this, I haven't eaten an actual cobra yet, but snake meat in general doesn't taste particularly great. I mean, it's edible. gamey, huh? It's not my bag. So they said, you know, we're not going to eat these things. I guess we'll just let them go. 
And so oh, they let, let all these cobras back on the street in Delhi. We, <laughs> we need a new scheme. We got to revert back to our old ways of farming. So what are we going to do with all these cobras? Let's just right. let them run rampant back in the street. So consequently, there were more cobras at the end of the whole thing than there were at the beginning. So snakes flooded the streets. Uh, this story got a, a lot of press. And like you said, Noel, Delhi's snake problem was worse than it was in the beginning. That's why we call it the Cobra Effect, which uh, some of us fellow 80s babies may remember from the show G.I. Joe. How dare he do that? Get him off the screen! Also, I gotta say, I think the Cobra Effect would be a great name for either an 80s hair metal type band or maybe like an early aughts kind of like emo dance punk type band. I don't know. Cobra Effect. I like that. I'm still sad that it didn't become an 80s new wave band with people dressed as Cobra Commander. I was so fascinated with Cobra Commander as a kid. Anyway, um, <laughs> didn't age Cobra well. Commander was one guy. He was just the Cobra Commander of all, uh-huh. of all the Cobras. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. You have to Did look at Was he the guy with the, the silver head? Did oh, he have yeah. a silver head? Ah, uh, his costume's so awesome. He also had a hood sometimes. Um, And then you always wonder what his face was, which is, by the way, revealed in the G.I. Joe animated series or no G.I. Joe animated film, which gets deep into weird otherworldly Cobra lore. No spoilers. I should say supernatural lore. Anyway, we're we're not doing a show about Cobra Commander. uh, Unfortunately, they had supernatural powers. Well, man, you're just going to have to not all you're not all. all But you got to watch. the. I'll watch okay. it with you. I'll, I'm down right, for a rewatch. It. Can we do uh, a double feature with that and the GI and the uh, the Transformers movie that has the the amazing '80s kind of soundtrack? Yeah, deal. Let's you do got it. the touch. You got the power. Sorry, I love that. No, it's perfect. I like this idea because if we're going to segue, it's called the Cobra Effect because people do tend to have an enormous touch on their local on their local environment and they have a lot of power but it's not always good snag a job is where america goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. 
To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. If you travel to Hanoi during the time that French powers were ruling it, you see the same thing again, Noel, but instead of the, the cobra effect, this is like, what would you call it? The, the rat consequence. Yeah, exactly. I always think, too, it's interesting. This is a little aside. You know how, obviously, England ruled uh, over India uh, under the, what was it called? The the, the English British Raj. Raj. British, British Raj. Raj. And, you know, kind of developed some, like, they really, like, developed a taste for Indian food where certain versions of it kind of were developed that were, like, to suit the English palate and kind of became really, really popular in, you know, London and in the UK, uh, but it's something you would never have seen in, you know, actual, actual deli, like things like uh, chicken tikka masala and all that. Same with French rule over Vietnam. It's what gives you things like the banh mi sandwich, which is essentially mm-hmm. a, uh, you know, a French baguette with all of this amazing, you know, barbecued uh, Vietnamese meats and, and uh, seasonings and, you know, vegetables and stuff. So I, I do appreciate that consequence of empire building. <laughs> <laughs> but right. uh, the rest of it's a little sketch. Culinary colonialism, I like to call it. Yeah, it it leads to an amazing uh, syncretism, just like with religion, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. And you could look at, I was honestly, because I get in weird rabbit holes, I was reading earlier this weekend the amazing story of Chinese food throughout the diaspora. You know, in, a, in American Chinese food, as we've talked about before, is a cuisine all its own. Uh, but yes, I love it. Also, lucky for the United Kingdom that they they learned from the Indian subcontinent about, uh, you know, I'll say it, how to cook. Oh, I want to say curry is the national is pretty much like the national dish of the UK. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but it's like, there's a name for it. There's like, there, there's a name for the style of cooking uh, that type of Indian cuisine. It's, it's called like fast British style or something like that, where there are these like little curry shops that like have a very specific order of operations that's very different from traditional cooking. And they acknowledge it. And there's another name for it that I'm spacing on. But last thing, uh, the Doughboys podcast brought up this question, and I want to put it to you guys. Is a banh mi a sub sandwich? Sure. Uh, yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. I've never thought about it, but I guess so. Yeah. It's really whether you emphasize the bread or the ingredients. I got to tell you, man, I've gone through, I'm like Dr. Strange with the time stone. I've gone through every iteration of the what is a sandwich or what is what kind of sandwich question. I think I might have a problem, but yes. Well, but it's like, you know, a meatball 
sub is in the name. You've got like an Italian sub. You've got like a veggie sub or like, you know, whatever, a turkey sub. Sub is usually in the name. Bon me has all the makings of a sub, but you never call it that. So I just, uh, one of the, one of the doughboys was, was vehemently anti Bon me being a sub and then resented it when everybody else on the show just rolled forward with that as though, well, he can, he can call me. We can talk. A sub is a sub is a sub to paraphrase the old literature quote. A sub by any from, from other Dickens, name, of course, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A sub by any other name, and a cobra effect by any other name. Hanoi is annoyed <laughs> with all the rats. It's eighteen ninety seven. Guy named Paul Doomer goes to Vietnam. He's still in the younger part of his middle age. He's he's forty something, and he is a government worker for France. But he just had a big swing and a miss in his career. He had a scheme for a new kind of income tax, and it failed. And so he resigned from his job as minister of finance and decided to, you know, to hit the rails or to hit the high seas, to ghost, in other words, and try to find a a new life abroad. He'd been appointed governor general of French Indochina, a group of colonies in Southeast Asia. And that includes uh, what is now present day Vietnam. So he was like, I'm going to make everything modern. I'm going to put in all this modern infrastructure in Hanoi. I want you to feel like you're walking in France when you walk in Hanoi. And it, it kind of worked for a while. You know, uh, they built things in a lot of European styles. Uh, he was very, very proud in particular of bringing what he saw as the modern European toilet to Hanoi. Yeah, you know the, the the French and their their bidets and all of that. They're really big on on toilet training. It's 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 a it's a huge part of the culture. So they wanted to distinguish French Hanoi from the rest of the uh, the country. And there was already a massive network of sewers that ran under the French section of the city. And there was a smaller network of these tunnels that that served specifically the uh, the neighborhoods where Vietnamese people actually lived. Uh, it was seen in the eyes of the French overlords as kind of a sign of, of this, I'm not joking, this, you know, culture of kind of cleanliness and civility. So it wasn't a great look or uh, feeling or, or vibe in general when massive sewer rats started literally popping out of, of toilets that were connected to them. Yeah, they didn't have a uh, they didn't have the little S shape probably that's in most uh, most commodes that people are familiar with. Rats literally began emerging from the drains, and I mentioned this off air, but it's a pretty common fear a lot of people have both snakes and rats uh, emerging from commodes. Uh, you Noel, have personal experience with this, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, thankfully the freaking lid was down, but I just heard something rustling about in there. <laughs> I'm like, oh. it was like a horror movie moment, you know, where I'm yeah. like slowly lifting up the, and there's this big honking, nasty, wet sewer rat in there. I had to do a, I had to kind of take a beat. I don't remember exactly. I think I, I called a braver friend than me who kind of helped me with the situation, it. but it, yeah, he helped me bag it and tag it and toss it. It was really gross and really scary. And thankfully, I wasn't sitting on the thing at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, you probably would have heard something. So, uh, I, yes, yes, I'm glad as well. I've had uh, rats emerge from drains in kitchens, not like the kitchen sink, but like a back access area where piping 
goes outside mm. uh, during floods, things like that. And, you know, when New York floods, for instance, you'll see a proliferation of rats. Rats are incredibly intelligent creatures. If you're looking for a, a fun nonfiction book to read and the phobia is not too much for you, there's a great book out there named just rats and it's about all their amazing abilities i think that one focuses on rats in new york but both robert lamb friend of the show and myself are big fans of that book anyway here's what happens paul our buddy paulie d his vision was pretty ambitious and he did follow through on it under his direction the french colonial government laid out almost 10 miles, more than nine miles of sewer pipe beneath Hanoi. But when it did that, it accidentally created a really cool new suburb for rodents. The temperature wasn't crazy. It was nice and dark. Predators didn't go down there. So the first like rat Adam and Eve of these miles of sewer pipe are able to reproduce like never before. And if they get hungry, then they've pretty much got a road system underground that takes them to the most expensive part of town, which will have the nicest food, which will have the nicest trash. And then they can go back and they can reproduce again. They multiplied exponentially until they overran their nifty new subterranean suburb And then they skittered to the surface. That's enough alliteration for me today. Uh, I I accidentally improv myself into a corner with that one. But (laughs) it's a a good corner, Ben. It was a very classy corner that you found. Oh, thanks, man. Well, you know what happens historically? There are some stereotypes about rats. And unfortunately, some of them are a little bit, you know, based in fact, as if being overrun with rodents didn't disrupt this illusion of old world Europe uh, already. The bubonic plague started, started popping up. Oh, the boobles, <laughs> uh, the boobles yes. are coming. Yeah. That's the, it's a thing. Uh, rats were carrying that, that, uh, that particular bug and spreading it around, you know, through f- far and wide through, through this network of, of sewage pipes. It was a pretty, pretty bad scene. We had cases starting to present themselves. This is when it became much less an issue of decorum and civility and much more of like a public health disaster that needed to be dealt with. So enter Vietnamese rat hunters. Very similar uh, situation to what we had in Delhi, only I believe these were sanctioned or hired, right? This wasn't like a kind of uh, mercenary system with a bounty. This is like, these were hired by the colonial government. Um, They would go down into the sewers to hunt down the rats and they'd get paid per rat. Uh, But still- They were on commission, but they were hired. when When you're paying per rat though- similar kind of situation is going to present itself where it's like, gosh, it sure is a pain hunting these rats down in the sewer. Uh, Maybe there's a workaround. There's got to be a better way, says says the main character of every made-for-TV commercial. Uh, Yes, yeah, that's the idea. They began what is called the Great Hanoi Rat Massacre. It's April 1902, the last week of the month. In that last week alone, almost 8,000 rats 
are murderized. Uh, 7,985 to be exact. That's just the beginning because the rate of, uh, the rate of murders of, uh, rat assassinations, we'll get there one day. These continued as time went on. The death toll in May got to be around 4,000 rats per day. By May 30th, just that day alone, just that 24-hour period, the rat hunters and rat catchers killed 15,000 plus mm. rats. Yeah, I mean, it, it started off in earnest. Uh, it was an absolute, you know, rat apocalypse, uh, a rat apocalypse. I'll take that one. Um, you know, and, and yeah, what was it? Like 20,112 rats in a single day. We don't know exactly what methods were used for killing the rats. Presumably the government didn't care. What we do know about this period is from a historian named Michael Van, who was in France doing some research on French colonialism. And he came upon a file that was called Destruction of Animals, Rats, uh, inside of which he found some kind of esoteric, not particularly well-organized paperwork listing numbers of rats that were exterminated in Hanoi around that time, the turn of the century. He, with this begged the question to Van, like, what, what, what happened to these rats? How were they destroyed? Um, and it really wasn't clear, but he wrote a paper on the rat massacre and he kind of described the the nasty business of, of rat hunting uh, thusly. Uh, quote, one had to enter the dark and cramped sewer system, make one's way through human waste in various forms of decay and hunt down a relatively fierce wild animal which could be carrying fleas with the bubonic plague or other uh, contagious diseases. This is not even to mention the probable existence of numerous other dangerous animals such as snakes, spiders, and other creatures that make this author's skin crawl with anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. They, they realize that, uh, they realize that this was a dangerous job for these rat hunters, these government sanctioned rat hunters, but perhaps more importantly, they realized even as these rat hunters were working full time, they weren't doing much to stem the growth of the rat population. So the colonial powers do what colonial powers from Britain did in India. They opened the gates. They said, look, if you live here, you don't have to be a government sanctioned rat hunter. You give us a rat tail at any municipal office and we will give you one cent. So you're on a one cent per rat tail commission. And they wanted rat tails so that the government would not be flooded with a bunch of full rat carcasses, which prompted Dr. Van, who sounds like a fun guy to hang out with, actually. He does. Prompted Dr. Van uh, to say, who's this poor guy who has to sit around and count all the rat tails? And factions of the French colonial government were pretty happy with this because they had been encouraging like entrepreneurship in Vietnam and they thought it was working. Tales were pouring in. Then there was something else they saw. It was all around town. There were rats that were alive and for the most part healthy. They just didn't have their tails. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Turned out the hunters would rather take the tail than take a healthy rat which is capable of breeding and creating a bunch of rats, then take a rat with those tails out of commission. So you would kill the animal, then you let it go to breed to make more rats who would have more tails, and you would cut those tails, and then you would sell those for a cent, and then you would let those rats go, and they would reproduce. And additionally, Noel, Max, some people were smuggling rats into the city, and then oh, they found the cobra they, effect. Yes. Uh, this is the cobra effect writ here? large. That is disgusting. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah. So they, they found that there were pop-up farming operations that were breeding rats out in the outskirts of Hanoi. And of course, don't cut a rat's tail off. It sucks for the animal. Of course, it sucks for the end. Yeah, I mean, it, it's cruel. All of this is, is is horribly cruel. I mean, it, it is a situation that's that's very difficult because, you know, you can't have rats just shooting out of toilets willy nilly. That's no good for anybody. Not just because it's gross, but again, they're they're plague carriers. So you do have to do something about it. But this is a great example of that human ingenuity, and I'm using that word as a stand-in for greed and laziness. Um, uh, essentially in this situation, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really rearing its ugly head. Um, ben, are you familiar with the myth of the idea of a rat king? Yes, yes. The bundle of, again, I literally <laughs> read a book just called Rats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it's not idea- true, right? Like, there, there's really no real evidence that this is a thing. But it's the idea, uh, fair listener, of like this like cluster of rats that have entangled themselves together with their tails kind of becoming this giant knotted thing. And essentially, they've like become this single organism or something. Like, is there more to it than that, Ben? Or is that essentially it's- just the urban legend of it? 
it's the urban legend there. There's a great, I, the earliest report goes back to like the 1500s, I think, but there's a great report, a mm. uh, great podcast on this uh, stuff to blow your mind. Second time I'm shouting out Robert Lamb today. I believe that they have a podcast uh, episode entirely on the rat King. I think some have been found because it can happen when they're in crowded conditions. I, uh, I believe there was one that was filmed in 2021 and the rats uh, you'll be happy to know were saved their tails were untangled this was in russia but i think the part i think you're right that the the big mythical part is that it moves as one organism it's just a bunch of separate organisms that unfortunately got their tails tangled um yeah so still don't cut off the tails the rat king god it's fascinating fascinating lore but, you know, the French didn't care at this point. They just wanted the rats gone and they had failed. They had failed, at least in regards to pest eradication, but they had won out because they did make a bunch of entrepreneurs and everybody living in the city from the wealthiest to the most impoverished just said, I guess we all have rats as roommates now. That's where we're at. But it, it turns out, Noel, the French forces were right about at least one thing. The rats really were carrying bubonic plague. The buboes were coming uh, in 1906 <sighs> because the rats had been able to multiply without, uh, without predators of any sort or without human interference there in the sewer. There was an outbreak of bubonic plague in Hanoi, tragically. That's right. And to backtrack really quickly, there are uh, several images of rat kings that you can find on the internet. One was discovered in Estonia uh, not that long ago. This article uh, on The Guardian was from 2021, um, and it is 13 rats entangled together, several of which are already dead. Uh, it's really pretty gnarly, and um, it's considered to be an omen of plague. Uh, so yeah, that's right. There was an outbreak. And again, you could really blame this on these, these rat hunters not doing what they were supposed to be doing, but also, I mean, of course it's the government's job to oversee this program that they've created. Their dollar is essentially feeding this, you know, um, this workaround that they have not yet become wise to, Right. So you can, it's, it's sort of a twofold problem where it's like, you know, irresponsibility of people just not thinking about the big picture and just wanting to get that, that, that money. Uh, and also Ooh. the government um, administering a program that is just inherently uh, ineffective. Would you guys save roaches if the city you lived in gave you a bounty? Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, it, it's one of the few animals I'm not a friend of. I respect them. And they may well last beyond humanity, but I don't know if I want to keep a jar. It'd have to be a high bounty. You know what I mean? It'd have to be like $20. That's insane. You could make, you could make a living doing that. You would breed roaches. Cobra effect. I don't know, Ben. As someone who's lived in a house with a cockroach infestation, I mean, A, you don't need to breed them. They just do that on their own. And B, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> early 20s max experienced enough of that that he's just scarred all right man so i'm hearing that for halloween you're gonna be you want to like become the enemy do you want to become the cockroach we get you one of those cool costumes with the arms 
how did you make that leap from what I said? I don't know, man. It's just a, it's a cool costume idea. Tell you what, tell you what, we'll put a pin in it. We'll wait till we get closer to October. See how you feel. Can we do like the horse thing where like I'm the head of the cockroach and you're, and you're like the feet of it? <laughs> We're doing it in tandem. We can, we'll work on something and we'll be able to do so because we do not have bubonic plague. At least 263 people died as a result of this 1906 outbreak. Which is a relatively small number considering the types of plagues that we've been, you know, reading about uh, and living through uh, of late. Uh, but still, that's, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of human lives uh, that could have been saved if, if only this had been monitored a little more closely. Yeah. And most of the people who died, uh, at least that we know of, were themselves actually actual Vietnamese people. Despite this tragedy, Paul Domer's reputation is repaired. He has returned home to France and he becomes celebrated as, quote, the most effective governor general of Indochina to date. Uh, he went on to become president. And Van has this wonderful observation that I think we should, we should read in full and also hat tip to our pals at Atlas Obscura for this. Uh, because they pulled this excerpt, and I quite like it. It's sort of a morality tale for the arrogance of modernity, that we put so much faith into science and reason and using industry to solve every problem. This is the same kind of mindset that led to World War I, the idea that the machine gun, because it kills so efficiently, is going to lead to a quick war. And what that actually led to is a long war, where many, many people lost their lives and he goes on to talk about how the Great Hanoi Rat Massacre is often cited as an example of the Cobra Effect. And the Cobra Effect, as we've established, is an economic theory about how incentives in a complex system can lead to unintended consequences. And this sometimes gets inspires people to say, well, you know what's bad? You know what's bad, right? Any government intervention of any kind. But he says... That misses the point. He says you have to make sure that you have to make sure that people are taking honest looks at the evidence around them instead of ignoring it. Uh, and then he adds, "This is one beautiful moment where, let's see, you no, know, he said Dr. Van was doing this research in the '90s when he found that folder. Uh, this was 1997. As he was searching through this file." Uh, this file cabinet, or excuse me, a card catalog, a rat ran real quick over his hand while it was in the, in the drawer, which to him meant the French forces had tried to kill all the rats. They tried to rule Vietnam. They failed in both regards. But you know who's still around? The rats. The Bonmi Sandwich. The Bami sandwich came about as a result. Yeah, it's a good sandwich. Yeah, There's exactly. a great place called yeah, Lee's I'm Bakery. saying it, it, it perseveres. Get, to me, that is the lasting legacy of this relationship, yeah. even if the rest of it was an abject failure. You can get uh, like six for five at a great place here called Lee's Bakery. Uh, if you're it's ever the only place Atlanta, I go. If yeah. you're ever, ever in Atlanta, do visit Buford Highway. It is a tremendous gift to the city. It's got some of the... Truly. Some of the most amazing food, man. So we have cobras, we have rats... 
But we're not at the end of the story. The Cobra effect continues. In fact, this is the first of a two-part episode that we are going to do. And, you know, there's some stuff we could have maybe glossed over. There's some stuff we didn't have to talk about in as much depth. But we we off mic agree that there's stuff we don't want to skip. So please, please tune in later this week for part two of the Cobra effect, which takes us to the great leap forward under Mao Zedong in China. It's a, which I know is a particular area of uh, fascination and expertise in your wheelhouse, Ben. So I figured it made sense to, to keep this as its own episode. Plus it's four pests, right? We're talking about four pests here. Mm Mm-hmm. And we haven't even talked about the Orkin Man. Do you guys remember those commercials where he's like inexplicably Man. a cyborg? Kind of a, t- a weird tune like, yeah, he yeah. was a cyborg. That like, was cool. <laughs> that was like some very high production value in those uh, in those ads. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was impressed. <laughs> so we'll get to oh, wait, No, I was just doing Trojan Man. I was doing Trojan Man. Man. That's not the same. Yeah. <laughs> Orkin Man had a, had a theme tune, though, a or jingle, some weird though. little. He had a jingle. He sure did. Uh, we'll have to figure that out for next time. But yeah. So again, we've got Mao Zedong's four pests disaster uh, looming on the horizon, which is just an like, even further escalation of the Cobra effect. In the meantime, find us online. You can do that thing. Um, we are Ridiculous History on Instagram and Facebook. You can join the Ridiculous Historians group on Facebook. If you wish, you can find each of us, each of the three of us as individual human people um, on the internet. I am on Instagram exclusively at How Now Noel Brown. How about you, fellas? If you would like a behind the scenes peek at the things I am reading, the things I am researching, my future secret projects that I can't talk about just yet on air visit me on twitter i'm at ben bullen hsw a uh, shout out to the listeners who participated in my riff on sanctions jokes stuff like sanctions are getting crazier and crazier it's only a matter of time before blockbuster video releases a statement about the status of membership cards in russia uh you can also find me on instagram where i am at ben bullen b-o-w-l-i-n Mr. Max Williams, a.k.a. the Cobra. No, Mongoose, right? Ricky Tiki Tabby and all that. They hunt the, mm-hmm, the mongoose mm-hmm. hunts the uh, The cobra. snake and the them. mongoose. How come they didn't deploy any mongooses in that whole OG Cobra effect story? Right, isn't that the, the whole deal? The mongoose is the natural enemy of the, of the Cobra? Yeah, according to uh, popularized by Richard Kipling, for sure. <laughs> uh, but also, the um, I think the British... Colonials just really didn't know what they were doing in a lot of yeah, in a lot of fair. senses because they didn't Imagine listen. That. They didn't listen to the people who lived there for thousands, thousands of years. Anyway, speaking of authorities, Mr. Max Williams, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at ATL underscore Max Williams. You can also see some of my other work that I'm doing on my other show, Ephemeral. You can do that by searching at ephemeral.show. And thanks, as always, to super producer Max Williams. Thanks to Casey Pagram, uh, who must, must, must return soon. And thanks, of course, to our favorite snake in the grass, the cobra to our mongoose, Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. the Quister. Confirmed, by the way, uh, the Internet says mongooses are known for their ability to fight and kill venomous snakes, especially cobras. They're specialized Achilles. 
choline receptors render them immune to venom. They're like the honey badger. While their thick coats and quick speed also come in handy during conflicts. You'd think someone would have told the Brits about this. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home you're a growing business which means you need every spare hour you can find that's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in slack slack is where work happens with all your people data and information in one ai powered place Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.